Welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Good to see everybody today. I was talking to Pastor Derek's mother just a moment ago. She was in our newcomers class that just met upstairs in the earlier service and she signed up to become a member. Great job, Pastor Derek. He's grown the church. That's what you do. You start with your family, right? Well, my name is Matthew Rowland. I'm one of the team members here. In fact, I'm the campus pastor over this campus. Now, Pastor Joe and Nancy aren't going anywhere. If they are, let's all go with them, okay? Uh, But they're not going anywhere. And I say that, though, because Pastor Derek, who you just met, many of you already know him, he is the campus pastor for our Highland Park campus that's opening here in, believe it or not, just a couple weeks. I've heard through the grapevine that, uh, yes. Some of you are like, what's happened to the campus? I haven't heard any updates or news. Well, I'm here to tell you we are about 95% done with the remodeling of the Highland Park campus. We still need to put in some screens and lights and a few other components, but it is well on its way. And our plan here is, at this point, we're going to have a commissioning service, which you are all invited to come and join us at. We're going to meet together, pray Saturday night, April 15th at 7 p.m. Come with your kids. Come with your friends. We want to do it upright, worship the Lord, pray together as church members, regular attenders. This is part of the vision God's given us. We want to get together first before we open up officially to the public. The very next morning, we're going to have our staff and our volunteers have just a staff and volunteer run through. Okay, we're going to try to work through some of the bugs. That'll happen on the 16th. And then on April 23rd, we're going to have our official first service there at the Highland Park campus, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. We, we need your extra applause because, man, it's been a lot of work. You know, when you ask God to do something, then he does it. Like, oh, wow, what did, I get? what did I really wish for? But God has been so faithful with this whole process, and we're excited to open up that campus. And we will have a really big grand opening sometime in August. We want to stretch our legs. We're going to figure out who's going to lead where. How's the whole preaching thing going to work? Again, Pastor Joe and Nancy aren't going anywhere, but they are going to be going back and forth quite a bit. And so we're, we're following their lead and figuring it out as we go. We appreciate your prayers. And speaking of the campus, you know, the campus that we're opening is really a result of our vision builders, the, really the vision that God has given us here at Trinity Dallas. So many of you know, we have an event once a fall. We get together as a church and Pastor Joe and Nancy share the updated vision, what God is leading us to in the future. And we ask everybody to participate, to be generous, to give and be a part in this campus is a direct result of not only God giving the vision, but our church being generous and getting behind the vision. So while, while we're talking about vision builders, I wanted to give you a brief update. Okay. So last October, October 21st, we had our vision, our most recent vision builders event. We asked you to partner with the current and future vision of the church and our church, our family pledged over $300,000 towards the future endeavors of the church and the missionaries and the ministries that we sponsor around the globe. Because that's a big part of our vision is to be a local church that's acting globally and spreading the gospel and expanding the kingdom. So I'm happy to report as of today, you guys have contributed of that pledge over $124,000 has come in already, which is 40% of what we committed, which is fantastic. So some of that goes towards what's happening over at the Highland Park campus. But 
Uh, as of last week, we sent out our first quarter of payments to our missionaries and our partners around Dallas and Pleasant Grove, but also reaching into China, Mongolia, Nepal, Romania, and other parts of the globe, Africa, North and South. It's pretty exciting, you know, because I get to see, Pastor Robert signs the checks and I get to go put them in the mailbox. And it's, it's really pretty humbling and exciting to see how generous our church is to see that we're part of a bigger vision. And for Jane and I, when we started coming back in 1999, that was, a, that was one of the things that stuck with us. We said, yes, this is our culture. This is a missions sending, a missions giving, a kingdom building church, which it ought to be, and which we are. And we celebrate and you know, we praise God for the great report I want to be able to share with you. Since Pastor Joe and Nancy are not here to give it to you, I thought, well, let me just go ahead and tell everybody some of this exciting news. Yes, so, so God is very, very good. And if you haven't been able to fulfill your pledges yet, we got plenty of time, okay? But don't forget, God has called us to do great things and you get to be a part of it here at Trinity Dallas. So make sure uh, you're, you're uh, aware of where your pledge is and, and let's partner in that. Uh, okay, I believe with all my heart that God has something for each and every one of us here today, myself included. I really do believe that by faith. Now, not... Everything I say is for everyone, but something I say, I believe, is for each and every one of us here today. So I want to ask us, just including me, let's take a deep breath. Just exhale all the worries, all the cares, and all the concerns, the lunch plans you have today, the busy week you've got next week. Let's, let's be in the moment. Let's believe that God's going to speak to us right now and give us something going to help us grow in our relationship with him, help us grow as disciples, make us not better followers of Jesus, but help us to know him better. And as a result of knowing him, responding and acting more like Jesus, because that's our destiny. We have been predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. He loves your smile. He loves your hair. He loves your height. He loves your way. He loves everything he made about you. But he also is determined to make you more like Jesus in character. Okay. So that's the, that's the road we're on. Let's keep walking it together. Amen? Okay, uh, let's pray, and then we'll jump into chapter four, the last chapter of Colossians, and finish out our series today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the omnipresent God, that you're always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And you're right here in this assembly, moving among us now. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts, to bring conviction, encouragement, Show us things that we need to change. Show us things that we should do. Show us things that you want us to see. Our eyes are open. Our ears are ready. And by faith, we receive it. In Jesus' name, And everyone said, amen. amen. I like to always remind everybody, when we're going through a book of the Bible like this, a great resource online is The Bible Project. They have a YouTube channel. One of the things I did along with reading this book and Pastor Derek did the same thing and Pastor Joe did the same thing. We all watched the overview of the book of Colossians. It does a great job of explaining the who, the why, the when, the where, the context, why the book was written and what it means for us today. So it's a great resource. I wanna encourage you to get on there and check it out if you haven't done that before. And while you're there, take a minute and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like the videos. If you missed any of the last couple of weeks, they're there for you. They're not just to make us look good. They're there to help make disciples. And so don't miss out. This is a series. This is the fourth of four messages. You can, you can go back and watch the other ones. And I'll tell you this too. There's some bonus content. Everybody loves bonus content, right? Yeah. 
Uh, not like you even paid for it, it's all bonus, but there's some bonus content on our YouTube channel right now. Pastor Joe and Nancy Cameron and the team, they're, they're posting daily videos on the YouTube channel from the sites that they're visiting, the things that they're doing. It's only just a few minutes, but it's pretty cool. If you wanna see what it's like to go on an Israel trip and explore the Holy Land with Pastor Joe and Nancy, get on the YouTube channel, check out some of those clips because guess what? They're planning to go again next year. So if you miss this trip, Stephen and Amy, you might be on the next trip next year, okay? So that's for free. Uh, check out the YouTube channel. Now, back to the book, the book of Colossae. Uh, we know, and I'll just do a brief review for those who might have missed the previous messages. Paul wrote this book. Paul wrote this book from prison. Uh, Paul wrote this book because one of his son in the Lord, and as I've read this, I kind of I kind of see myself as a, as a I, I want to be like Epaphras, but I kind of have that role in, in our church. So Epaphras was led to the Lord through Paul's ministry at one point on his missionary journeys. And Epaphras went out to plant the church in Colossae. Paul had never been there. Paul didn't plant this church or the church in Laodicea, the other churches in the region. Epaphras did, and he helped oversee the churches there, but he was a young disciple. He was, things were going great until they weren't, right? The church was doing well, but then they weren't because this was a Gentile church surrounded by all sorts of ideas and philosophies and other gods and other religions. And the people that had come to know the Lord and follow Jesus were slowly letting their old lives creep back in. And did anybody know anything about that? Raise your hand. No, you don't have to. So the, their old lives were creeping back in. Epaphras wasn't quite sure what to do. He's young in the Lord. Uh, uh, he had plenty of older people there in the church that he had to answer to. But Paul was really his mentor. So he's like, okay, y'all have great ideas, but let me, let me just go back to the source, okay? Paul travels to see, or Epaphras travels to see Paul in Rome and gives him a full report. Here's what's going on in Laodicea. Here's what's going on in Heropolis. And here's what's going on in Colossae. I need your help. And as a result, Paul's in prison. He can't go and fit, fix things and put them in order. He writes a letter, several letters, uh, as a matter of fact. And then he sends them back with Tychicus and Onesimus, all right? So we are on chapter four. We're going to, this is the closeout chapter. The first two chapters, Paul addressed the, the uh, theology. He said, look, you guys are falling into these old ways of doing things and these, have these wrong ideas. Let me just tell you who Jesus is. He's the man. He is God. There is no one like him. There are no other religions. There's no other way to heaven. He is up here and we follow and worship him. That's the first two chapters that Pastor Joe led us through. First two chapters are everything that Jesus has done for the Colossians and really for the whole world. And the second two chapters, three and four are, now Paul is telling the Colossians, here's what you need to do. Here's what Jesus did, two chapters worth. Here's two chapters of what y'all need to do, okay? And many of these truths still apply to us today, which is what we're gonna discover as we read on. So this is a farewell chapter, it's the cleanup chapter. And, and as I looked at this, from my simple brain, I came up with four components. That, you'll, that we find in chapter four of Colossians. Thankfully, Pastor Derek uh, already ate up one of the verses, verse one for, for us last week because it tied into the previous section. So we're gonna be starting here today on verse number two. There's four components. The first one is this. Paul exhorts the Colossians in prayer. The second is this. Paul urges them to be ambassadors for Christ. The third one is this. Paul sends greetings to his team the people that are working on the ground there in Colossae, but also from his team. There's a lot of people with him 
in Rome. Not all of them are in prison, but he's got, he's got people all over the place. So he's a, he's a good pastor and apostle and he, he pumps up his team in both places. And the last thing is just the quick final instructions that Paul gives the church in Colossae. So we're gonna start reading in chapter four, verse two. Paul says very definitively, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Be devoted. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's much like a relationship that God wants us to have with our spouses if you're married. Be devoted. Sometimes the feels are there. Sometimes they're not. It doesn't matter. You're committed to this person. You're going to have a relationship with them. Stay connected to them and communicate. In the same way, we have a relationship with God. We are devoted to God. He wants us to be devoted to prayer. He's speaking all the time, right? He's speaking constantly. He wants to have an ongoing conversation with us. Be devoted to prayer. Followers of Jesus need to be devoted to prayer, whether they feel it or not. You see, prayer, intercession, spending time in God's presence is not just for retirees, okay? (laughs) It's not just for people who have nothing else to do. It's not just for the super spiritual. It's not just for those with a call. They have the gift of intercession. I mean, there is a specific gift, but prayer is for all of us. Be devoted to prayer. This is an, for some of us in this room, this is an area that we've neglected. And this word is coming at this time in this season to encourage us specifically. You know what? It's time for me to really re-engage in the place, to spend time in the word, spend time communicating with God. And what is prayer really? It's really simple. Prayer is just talking to and listening to God. Many people got the talking to God thing down, right? All the, talking to God all the time, but taking time to actually listen to him by the Holy Spirit, by reading his word. It's a two-way street. It's a conversation, right? We need to pray. We need to be devoted to prayer. First Thessalonians 5.16, Paul says this another way. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Does that mean you have to be by your bedside, bent over, praying 24-7, asleep and awake? That's not what he's saying. If we remember that prayer is a conversation, then okay. So all throughout the course of my day, being aware that God is present. There may be something he wants to speak to me now or something I just need to communicate with him. Pray continually. And yes, it's slight hyperbole, you know, exaggeration. But the point is that we're talking to God on a regular basis, not once a Sunday, but moment by moment throughout the course of our normal day. And it's a good reminder because, you know, we're, we're not dissimilar from the disciples, from the apostles, right? There, there's a passage in Luke chapter 11. Uh, Luke chapter 11, Jesus comes back from a time of praying by himself. And you kind of get the picture here. The disciples are sitting amongst themselves or talking to each other. If you're watching this series, The, the Chosen, you see they're spending a lot of time just yucking it up or arguing or, you know, just making food. They spend a lot of time making food. And that probably was true. So just imagine Jesus walking back again from another time of prayer and Peter or John, and one was like, man, it's kind of embarrassing. He's always out praying and we're just here yucking it up, right? Well, these guys weren't rabbis. They weren't holy shamans. They were businessmen. They were, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. So they really didn't have this religious prayer like on... They, they had to be taught. And so they're kind of convicted in this scene in, in uh, Luke chapter 11. One of them is bold enough to say, uh, Jesus, you know, we noticed that you were praying again. Uh, could, could you teach us to pray? 
He doesn't ask, teach us how to pray. No, no, we're not even worried about what to pray, what we're supposed to pray. Just teach us to pray. We just need help, you know? We'd rather eat, we'd rather sleep, we'd rather yuck it up, play games. Teach us to pray. And Jesus willingly complies because their hearts and their ears were finally open, right? His example was finally enough to get them to make a move in the right direction. So we didn't need to worry so much about what to pray because that's the Holy Spirit's job to lead us in a truth and righteousness, show us what to pray, show us what we're not supposed to do, show us what we're supposed to do. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But us praying, that's on us. We need to carve out of our lives time to pray and connect with him. And then Paul goes on to say, so he's made it pretty clear, you need to be devoted to prayer. And when you are, be watchful and be thankful, okay? So the question is, what are we watching for? Now, when it comes to prayer, a lot of people are watching, looking for the next horrible thing to be afraid of, okay? Their prayer life consists of God, protect us from the storm, protect us from the earthquake, protect us from the next big thing that's on the horizon. They're just eating up what's going on in the world so they can pray out of fear. And that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be watchful. Because why? Because I'm coming again. You need to be ready. Be watching, be looking. He says in, in the chapter before, set your mind on things above. Set your hearts on things above. He, he's not telling them to watch and look for, you, you gotta have prayer fodder. No, look for me. Ready yourselves, be watchful and be thankful. You may not have every prayer answered this side of heaven, that's okay. Be thankful for what I've already done. Be thankful for what you have in me. Be thankful for my relationship with you. Be watchful, be thankful. Don't be fearful and fussy is what I'm trying to say. Hey, don't be fearful and fussy is what Paul, I think, is trying to say. Now, he didn't use those words, but that's what I think he's trying to get at. Don't be fearful. Don't be fussy. Be watchful. Be thankful. Uh, if you only talk to God to complain, it's time to repent, okay? I learned, I learned how to pray for my stepdad. He's a big Minnesota Vikings fan, okay? <laughs> the only time I ever heard him pray was when the Vikings were losing, okay? I love my dad. But that's the only time I heard, like literally heard him out loud of his mouth praying to God, talking to God. And he was fearful, he was fussy, and it was because the Vikings were losing again. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. We need to be watchful and thankful, filled with hope. Psalm 104 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving is what should be on our lips. Now let's move right along to verse number three. Verse number three says this, Paul Ask them, please pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Otherwise, I'd be there with you. I'm in chains, I can't come see you. Pray for me, please. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul has a pretty amazing prayer request list. He didn't ask, please pray that an angel will come and deliver me from these chains. Please pray that uh, a hedge of protection around me. Please pray that my favorite sports team will win. No, pray that I'm in the, I trust God is in control of my life. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Even if I'm in chains, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Pray that I'll be bold and won't be fearful that I'll proclaim the gospel as I should. That's quite the biblical prayer list. He asked for clarity to proclaim the gospel. How many of us need clarity too? Just to, I mean, that's a prayer I need for myself. Help me just to be clearly able to communicate your love, your goodness, your salvation to those that are around me. We need his help, just like Paul did. 
Jesus prayed this kind of prayer. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done, Father. He wasn't looking for earthly blessings. His eyes were fixed on the kingdom to come that we're already a part of now. That's a godly prayer list. And in fact, you know, some of the prayers that I've prayed over my lifetime have not been answered. And I read the Bible long enough to get to James chapter four, verse three. You know, James was the brother of Jesus and he wrote the book of James. He said this, which is a real revelation to me. When you ask and do not receive, it's because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I can think of a lot of things that I've prayed for in my life that, not that I just wanted to be in a hammock by a beach drinking, you know, lemonade. Uh, <laughs> but I can think of a lot of things that I earnestly prayed for. But when I look back on it, I was like, you know what, that was, I didn't really need that. Or that really wasn't that important or a little bit selfish. I got to, I mean, of course I did pray for the Minnesota twins because I'm from Minnesota. I prayed for them to win the 1987 and 1991 World Series and they did. So I'm kind of getting mixed signals here from God. <laughs> He's answered a few of those prayers, but suffice it to say, I think that it's pretty clear we should be praying biblical godly prayers. Those are the kind of prayers that God is ready to answer. Let's not just be praying for things that we can spend on ourselves. I'm gonna let, leave that to simmer, okay? That may be for some of us in this room today. It has been for me at many stages of my life and it may be for you today. Just a reminder, it's time to re-engage in conversation in prayer. Uh, move right along. We're going to go on to the next component that I see in this chapter, which is to be an ambassador for Christ. He doesn't use that word in this chapter, but he does use it other places in scripture. Of course, we know an ambassador is a representative, an agent for, somebody who stands in the place of the person that's sending them. We know every, every fall that Wes Solomon is a he is an ambassador for the Dallas Cowboys, right? He is one of their greatest ambassadors. We know that about Wes, and that applies to many of us here in this room. We, we know what an ambassador is, right? Uh, verse number five says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In other words, you represent me. You're my ambassadors. Be wise, be thoughtful. Don't be who you used to be. Think about who I'm making you into. And remember, you represent me now. You used to represent the devil and you could do whatever you want. Things have changed. You gotta think twice. You have to be wise. You can't just do spontaneous you that you used to do, okay? It's time to put a cap on it and just say, okay, I represent Christ now. Holy Spirit, how would you act, have me act towards this person? Because the, the context is this, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, talking about unbelievers, okay? You're surrounded with unbelievers, he's saying. Be wise and make the most of every opportunity. To do what? What's the opportunity? Point them to Jesus. It's really, it's really that simple. Make the most of every opportunity to point people to Jesus as an amb ambassador, right? So we got to be wise and we can't just ignore the lost world around us and hunker down and just us and our crew and we're going to heaven. Everybody else could just perish. No, we are left in the world to be agents for Jesus. You ever wonder why he didn't just save us and take us with him? Because there's a lot of lost people that he wants to bring with them. Think about this reality. God has an infinite ability to have an infinite number of eternal relationships. You and I, we might be good friends with three or four people. I can only handle one wife. That's good. I, that's, I'm only capable. She is an amazing woman. Uh, but, 
But God is not limited in that way. He can have an infinite number of eternal relationships. He can have a relationship with David and Cindy personally, know them intimately and and converse with them constantly. But he can also do that with Pastor Derek and Jane and my girls in the front and Pastor Rao, each and every one of us. And none of these relationships will ever feel lacking or neglected because he's God. He's infinite, omnipresent, omnipotent. He can do all things. And he created us because he loves us, right? He wants relationship with us. So there's a reason why he's taking his time to return because he wants as many people as possible to know him and have that eternal relationship with him. So part of our job is to represent him and point people to Jesus. About a year ago, I had this idea that I think was the Holy Spirit. And I sat on it for about a year just to make sure it was the Holy Spirit. You ever do that? The Holy Spirit tells you to do something like, oh, I'm not sure that's really him. Let me, I waited a year and I finally recently responded. It felt like the Lord told me just very simply, take a YouTube video, two minute testimony, record your own testimony, just something simple. Record it, post it privately on YouTube and, and make a little QR code that is really easy to do by, it doesn't cost you anything. Make a little QR code where you can, give this QR code to somebody. If I had an interaction with somebody, which I do all the time, but I'm not really able to share the gospel fully or go any deeper or somebody who, you know, the coffee drive-through or wherever, I, I thought, you know what? I wanna be able to make the most of these opportunities and at least, you know, it's like the sower. You sow the seeds, some of it falls on rocky soil, but some of it lands in good fertile soil, and this may bear some fruit. So I, I just, I had this idea for a year and I finally executed on it, I finally did it. I've given out, given out, let me tell you how great I am. I've given these out three times, right? <laughs> <laughs> Took me a year. I've got a stack of these that I carry with me now. But if you scan this code, I'm not gonna give these to you, I'll be too embarrassed, right? I'm looking for people to make the most of an opportunity with, but. This is my little, just a two minute testimony. And I'm sure I'm gonna redo it and get some nice lighting and some mood music. And all. But for now, I just wanna be obedient. So that when I go through the drive-thru, I've given, uh, yesterday I went to a McDonald's with the, uh, with the purpose of getting a shamrock shake, not so I can enjoy a shamrock shake, but so I can give these away, all right? Yeah, shamrock shake looks good, but who knows what could happen as a result of me giving these. So I go up to the window, two different people, I say, uh, thank you. Hey, I have a message for you. When you get a chance, maybe on your break or when you go home tonight, will you just scan this code and watch this video? I just have a message for you. That's all. I know it might be weird to you and it's probably a little bit weird, but this is what I felt like the Lord told me to do, right? So I'm, I'm, tr I'm making strides to make the most of every opportunity. I don't want to, let's just let them pass. In the same way God is bringing people into our lives, it's real easy to, oh, I'll see them next time. I'll get another chance. You know, I'm just, I'm afraid to share my, that's, part, that's partly why it is, because I'm a little scared to share my testimony too, you know? Uh, oh, what if I say something wrong? What if I embarrass Jesus? Make the most of every opportunity is the point, okay? That's verse five. Verse number six, let your conversation always be full of grace, full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I like that Paul used conversation. He didn't say conversations. He said conversation as if it's one long recording, right? You see, I believe that's the way God sees it. 
We compartmentalize things. I have a conversation with my wife and I have a conversation with my kids and I have a conversation with my boss, Pastor Robert. I have a conversation with a guy who needs help on the side of the road. You know, I compartmentalize and I may adjust and change what I'm saying based on my circumstances, but I don't think that's the way that God sees it. It's one long conversation to him. He wants it to all be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And what is grace? Grace we know from being saved is unmerited favor. We're being given something that we don't deserve, right? Jesus gave us the gift of eternal life. We didn't deserve it. We could never earn it. It's a gift. In the same way, we have regular conversations with people all throughout the course of the week. They don't deserve words of kindness. They may not deserve to be encouraged. In fact, some people deserve a curse, right? Some people deserve a rebuke. But what Paul is saying, let your conversation, let the words that you give to people be filled with grace, words that they don't deserve. Keep your inner Ken or Karen quiet. Be kind, be gentle, be gracious. Colossians 3, 8. You must rid yourself. This is the same book, previous chapter that Pastor Derek preached on last week. You must get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and filthy sign language, right? When the guy on the road that cuts you off <laughs> deserves your filthy sign language, he's saying, get rid of it. Don't do it. They don't deserve to be treated with kindness. Here's a trick. I'm going to give this to you for free. It's not even in my notes. It's a trick I learned when dealing with people on the road. If somebody cuts you off, I, I tell myself, anytime somebody cuts me off or does something that I don't appreciate on the road, I, th- I tell myself, you know what? That was probably the first time in their whole life of driving history that they ever made a mistake. And if that really is the case, then I'll just gonna, they get a free pass from me today, okay? That's a little tip that's gonna help you. The next person that cuts you off, just tell yourself, you know what? That's the first mistake they've ever made in all their history of driving. I'm gonna give them a free pass. That helped me change my perspective. Makes it a little bit easier. We gotta get rid of that kind of language and and actions. James 1.26, and here's the dagger, right? This is for some of us here today. I'm not questioning your salvation, but let me just tell you what the word of God says. (laughs) James 1.26, if anyone considers himself religious, say, well, I'm not religious. I just love Jesus. Okay, fine, whatever. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, you know what a rein is? It's what uh, Carla has on Pastor Robert, right? It's just keep him, keep him reined in. I'm just teasing. A rein is, is what you put on a horse to control them. If you don't have a tight rein on your tongue, listen to what this says. Look it up in your Bible, James 1, 26. You deceive yourself and your religion is worthless, okay? It's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to the brother of Jesus, James. It's a big deal to Paul. This is an area of our life. He wants us to get on track. And we're gonna see the reason why as we walk through this verse, okay? Our conversations need to be seasoned with salt, which of course in those times is a preservative, right? Flavorful, preservative, not bitter, not uh, gravelly, but a preservative, right? Uh, kind, encouraging blessings of words. Um, and here's the kicker. And the, the reason why, so he's telling you, change the way you talk, add grace and salt, kindness, love to it. And here's the reason why. So that you may know how to answer everyone. 
And once again, the Bible flips things on its head. We want to know why we should do something so it makes sense, and then we're going to go out and do it. But the Bible is teaching us the opposite in this and many other examples. I want you to do something by faith, and then you'll understand why. I want you to change the way you talk to the people that you're around. I want you to add grace and flavor and life and encouragement and blessing. Get rid of the negativity. Get rid of the, the wrong. Get rid of the harshness. Get rid of the negative talk. And when you do, you'll see how to connect with people and point them to me. He said, just, just do it and then you'll understand better. The, the, the acting right leads to thinking right. If we do what he says, we're gonna start thinking more clearly and then when people come across our path, we'll understand, okay, these people are in my path because I'm not pushing them away with my mouth. These people are in my path because God brought them to me because he trusts me with their lives. Change the way we talk, fill it with grace and salt, and then you'll know how to respond to the people that I put specifically in your life for you to point to me, okay? Psalm 34, one, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. We are his representatives. We are his ambassadors so that we may know how to answer everyone when the time is right. 2 Corinthians 5.20 reminds us in another way, God has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow, we're broken, we're fallen, we've made a lot of mistakes and yet God chooses to use us as his ambassadors. We carry the message of the cross to the world that needs us. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to fill you and me so we could be his emissaries on this earth. Okay, component number three in chapter four, and this will go quickly. Uh, the third component is Paul gives greetings from his team that's with him in Rome and then to his team that's on the ground there in Colossae. Verse seven, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your heart. He was a trusted friend. He carried the letter, letter as Paul's attache. He was a beloved brother and he was there for the people at Paul's request. Verse nine, he's coming to you with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here with me. And I don't wanna belabor this. We've talked about it quite a bit. I know Pastor Derek did last week, but I just think it's so interesting that Paul is sending Tychicus with Onesimus with a letter. Onesimus is carrying a letter to his former slave owner, right? Now he's a brother in the Lord, but he used to be the slave for Philemon. Philemon, whose, whose house hosted the church in, in uh, Colossians. It's so interesting. That was a bold move for Paul, but also a brave move for Onesimus to go back to this place where he got at odds with the family he was with and, and, and he's by faith trusting this thing is gonna work out when I get back there. Okay, so that's verse number nine, verse 10. Also, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings. He's a fellow prisoner with Paul. I've been a part of his ministry. Uh, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, there's a lot to unpack in that little verse, which we probably don't have the time to do it. But this is John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, who traveled with Paul and Silas and who got crossways with Paul at some point in the missionary journey. And he left. And that made Paul really, really mad. And for, we, we don't know how long, for, for many, many years, these two were at odds with one another. 
And yet here we see at some point they had reconciled and they were ministering together again. In another book of the Bible, Paul says, Mark has become very useful for me in ministry towards the end of his days. But I like that he says, you know, you, you've received instructions from me, uh, instructions about him. Uh, whatever I said before, just scratch that, okay? Welcome him now, okay? Things have changed, things have gotten better, which hopefully that's the case with all of our relationships with one another. I'm just speculating, but that's one way that you could read this passage. Verse 11, uh, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. We don't know anything about Justice other than he had a cool name, but he changed it to get rid of some confusion. Uh, number 12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. Now remember, he's the guy who's been pastoring the church in Colossae. He went to go tell Paul what was going on. He is staying with Paul for the time being. It's because of him that this letter is even being written. Listen to how good a pastor he is. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. They're supposed to be praying too, according to Paul. He's wrestling in prayer for you. He set a great example. He's praying that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. And I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. He's not just on a vacation. He didn't just give up on y'all. He is working hard in prayer and trying to get himself ready to come back and lead the church again. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for all those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Um, Verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor and Demas send greetings. Luke, of course, wrote the gospel of Luke. He traveled consistently with Paul, was also a physician and one of Paul's trusted and closest friends. And then we, we see Demas. So our dear friend Luke, the doctor and Demas send greetings. All I have to say about Demas, don't be like Demas. Uh, his name means popular. So he's the popular guy, but guess what? Uh, later in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul sends this, uh, encouragement or not encouragement, but this warning about him. Uh, he went from being a fellow worker of Paul's to forsaking Paul, having loved this present world, it says about Demas, okay? So even for Paul, some of the popular people abandoned him, but he stood strong. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. Okay, so Laodicea was real close by. She opened up her home. It could have been a, a he or a she, uh, different translations uh, uh, have it differently. But suffice it to say, because of that word, we're not sure, uh, but we're, most scholars believe it was a female. She opened up her home. She was a wealthy individual, as were a lot of Laodiceans, because we see in Revelation chapter three, there's another section uh, that, Paul, that John wrote to the Laodiceans. Remember, he says, you, you, you say you don't need anything, you have everything you need, but John goes on to rebuke them and says, hey, you are poor, blind, and naked. You need to get things right before God, okay? In fact, there's this famous line. Some of you may have this on your refrigerators at home, uh, but, but John says, those whom I love, Revelation 3, 14, I rebuke and discipline, okay? <laughs> Put that on your refrigerator. That's what, that's what John told the church in Laodicea. Get that on a sleeve right there in your tattoo, right? Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. And let me just pause for a moment and say, that really is true. If you are not a part of his family, if you're not a son or a daughter, he, he's, not, he's not fooling with you. But if you are his, if you belong to him, he does correct, he does warn, he does rebuke, he does discipline. And that is a sign of his love and his affection, his care and his concern. Yes, when you, you sign up to have a, a father in heaven who loves you and he's gonna love you in all the best ways 
possible, which sometimes means correction and rebuke. The Bible also says in Proverbs, he who hates correction is a fool, is stupid. Let's not be that kind of people. Let's be the kind of people that are open to the correction of the Lord through his word and through his ambassadors that embrace him and love him, that we don't get turned, that we don't get turned off and turned away because we had a difficult interaction. No, he's trying to make us, uh, he's trying to conform us into the likeness of his son, Romans 8, 29. That's his plan for us. Sometimes that includes a rebuke like that. Okay, uh, verse number 17, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received. So a lot of scholars believe while Epaphras was away, Archippus was the temporary pastor of the church taking care of things. Also, many scholars believe Archippus was the son of Philemon who owned the house where the church met. And remember Philemon was the owner, not just of the house, but of the slave Onesimus, who was coming back with a letter from Paul telling Philemon to release him and include him as a brother. So a lot of things are going on here behind the scenes. And we know the rest of the story that of course, Philemon did obey Paul's command because he released Onesimus. Onesimus would then become a bishop later in the church history. And it would also give his life for his faith. He would become a martyr. So it's pretty fantastic. All that If you just take the time to study and read and do a little bit of digging, you find, wow, these things are all intertwined and working together. And that does, does, make, it, um, does make sense. And it makes it more interesting if you just take time to study and figure out what is going on with the things that we're reading. Okay, so the last and final verses in this book, I, I did 17 first, but verse 16 and 18 this is how Paul concludes the letter. After this letter has been read to you, see that it also is read at the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting to you in my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. He says his final goodbyes. He hasn't met them in person yet. He hopes to see them someday. We don't know if he did or not, but he's letting them know, I care for you, I love you. I'm actually writing my own letter here. Most times he would just dictate it. He wanted them to know he's sincere and earnest in his care and concern for this church. So this is the word of the Lord. Colossians chapter four. That's it. We did it. We made it through a whole nother book of the Bible. Good job, you guys. Give yourselves a round of applause. Well done. Uh, Of course, I want to thank you all for not only being here in person, but for those of you who are joining us online. We suspect Pastor Joe and Nancy are watching with us as well as the 25 or so team members in the Israeli, uh, Israel team that are, that are over there right now. Thank you for joining us. All of you are watching online. Make sure if you're online to like and subscribe uh, and all these messages are available if you missed anything. But with that said, let's all stand together and just one final thought before we pray and release you today. Pastor Joe said last week, if good preaching could change the city of Dallas, it would have been changed a long time ago. We have some of the best preachers on the planet that live within walking distance of this church, okay? And yet we still had a lot of work to do. We've got a long way to go. Why? Because it's not, it's not the good preaching that you hear. It's the message of the gospel. It's the good news that you receive, that you believe and that you obey. The application is the key. That's why I said at the very beginning, there's at least one thing that God has for each and every one of us in the service today. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. So what I wanna do is just pray and ask the Holy Spirit right now to make it clear, just to bring conviction, encouragement, whatever it is that's for all, for each one of us specifically in the room that you'll be able to walk away today and not forget it, that this word will 
land and bear fruit and help you grow as a disciple because you came today, because you watched today. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. We're so grateful that we could know you and have relationship with you. We thank you today for the encouragements that we do need to pray and spend time in your presence conversing with you. We do need to up our game and and change, in some cases, the language you use. Help us. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to be ambassadors. And that's what we want. We don't know how to do it, but we're asking you now, Holy Spirit, just show us something, one thing that we can apply to our lives. As we walk out of this church today, we don't want to be hearers of the word, but not doers. We don't want your words to fall on hard soil. We want to be receptive. We ask you now, help us to receive the word, to apply it to our lives, and to bear much fruit. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. I hope to see you this Wednesday for our Ash Wednesday service. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.